Today's episode of GM Street is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book awesome hotels at amazing rates. They're like a matchmaker between top-rated hotels with unsold rooms and people who want to book those rooms. And Hotel Tonight isn't just for last-minute bookings. You can book for tonight, tomorrow, and beyond. It's perfect for planners, procrastinators, and everyone in between. Find sweet deals at cool hotels you'll actually want to stay at. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the Hotel Tonight app now. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Winger Podcast Network. It is Thursday, January 17th, and we are on the verge of the conference championships this weekend. We got a lot of football to talk about, but before I get to that, it is a rainy day in Los Angeles, and I am joined in New Jersey by the great Michael Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing on this day? You know, Tate Frazier, I'm doing great. I'm preparing for this uh, winter storm that's coming across the country. I've never seen so many weather reports for Kansas City in all my life. I, I don't think there's ever been more interest in what the weather is in Kansas City ever than there has been the last five days. Seriously. And I have to say this, I do the Against All Odds podcast with a friend of the program, Cousin Sal. Cousin Sal uh, has Harry on the show. Harry is on a group message with all of us, and he has been sending all of us updates on everything Kansas City weather-related. Weather uh, he's sending us Friday forecasts. He's sending us Saturday night, uh, the low temps that will be coming up. And, and crazy enough, as much as everyone going in this game thought that it was going to be talk about, you know, Brady going against, uh, up against Mahomes. It, it might be one of those, like, uh, you know, Montana Elway kind of games where everyone's excited about. We continue to act like we're all meteorologists and want to talk about the weather. But uh, here in Los Angeles, it's funky weather as well. We got rain. It's pouring the rain as they say in the South. Uh, it's pouring rain here. And then obviously you talked about the snow coming there. So we'll get into all the weather related things. But obviously we got a lot of football to talk about, too. Yeah, we got. Yeah. I mean, it's raining in L.A. I mean, God almighty, can you know, traffic must be at a standstill, huh? Unbelievable! I can't even make it into the office today. Uh, I will. I will point this out. I have been having a uh, perennial back problems. Uh, I have been struggling to record because it is not great to be talking. So I want to apologize to all the listeners of GM Street Lombardi. You deserve better from me. Uh, my back is feeling a little bit better today. I did not have to drive in this rain, so uh, I'm ready to go. I'm on full go. I'm ready for uh, us to break everything down on this Friday forecast. It, before we get into, is there anything uh, just off the top going into the conference championship? Obviously, eight championships in a row for the Patriots. But is there anything big, big news related that you want to hit before we get into all these games? No, I, you know, I kind of think it's going to be a situation where we got one versus two. Both teams seem to be somewhat healthy. Uh, you know, I do think, though, as you look at these two games, I think these two home fields have significant advantages. I mean, when you just take the the Philadelphia game last week and the Eagles had to call a timeout to start the second half. Because the crowd noise at halftime, usually people are getting hot dogs, they're getting peeing, they're going to the bathroom. You know, to start the second half, it's pretty quiet, but not last week. So I think this two things, plus Jimmy Buffett's going to be in the house. I mean, you know, I mean, if you're a Saint fan, it's Jimmy Buffett's going to play at halftime. I mean, a lot of shit going on out there. You got to, it's going to be an unbelievable party. Could you imagine if that game kicked off at 540, what that, what that crowd would be like? I mean, they're going to be smashed at, at 240. Can you imagine what it's going to be like at 540? 
I'm pretty sure happy hour is going to start at about 11 a.m. Uh, with a bun- bunch of brunches <laughs> that day, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of salt shakers out and about. I'm sure a lot of people talking about Margaritaville. So uh, that is something to keep an eye on uh, down in New Orleans as we get ready for that game. And uh, let's get into it because that is the first game that we got to talk about. Uh, that is the NFC Championship game. We have the Los Angeles Rams taking on the New Orleans Saints. That's going to kick off at 3:05 Eastern on. Fox. This is the second time that these two teams have actually faced each other in the postseason. The last time that this happened was in the 2000 NFC wildcard game. Uh, the Rams took that game 31 to 28. It's few and far between since we've seen uh, those two teams back in 2000. But we get we get this matchup, and obviously there's a little bit of background here. We got uh, the the last game uh, that these two teams faced. It was the Rams were undefeated at the time. Uh, they take their first loss of the season after the game. Sean Payton apparently had said some things to Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters said that they were going to come back and have some gumbo together, sort of in jest. Uh, but just looking at this game overall, you look at the line uh, on this one, it's three and a half, over under set at 57. Lombardi, as you break this one down, as you look at this, obviously these are two, the, the class of the NFC taking on each other. Uh, what is the main headline? Uh, what is the main thing to look out for between these two teams? Well, I mean, last game, Troy Hill played corner, started, you know, so he's not mm-hmm. really a bona fide starting corner. They get a key to lead back, which I think helps the Rams defense. But conversely, Cooper Cup had five catches for 89 yards in that game. And that was a huge factor. He made a lot of plays. And I think when you go back and watch the tape of that game, the the spot on the fake field goal. I'm not sure that they the Rams didn't get that. They didn't get the they didn't overturn it. Uh, the ruling on the field stood. I think that was a critical play in the game. I think there was a couple throws that that Goff made in the game that kind of w- one was tipped and it was going to get almost looked like it was intercepted and it went to Brandon Cooks and then another one got caught for a touchdown. So I don't know if Goff could play better. He threw one interception in the game. Uh, I thought the Saints messed up at the end of the half. You know, they scored, left too much time on the clock, and the middle eight of the game, the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half, allowed the Rams to start their comeback. You know, they're down 34, 35 to 14, but they get the field goal late, and now all of a sudden it's 35-17 to go in at half, and then it's 35-24. I thought the Saints got very conservative, and they just didn't really execute in the second half like they did in the first half. So with all that being said, I think it's going to be a great game. I think the crowd's going to have an influence on this game. There's no doubt. What I don't think people understand at home, Tate Frazier, is, and you, you, you feel this when you're at Final Force, but when you play in a stadium, there's a sense of urgency you feel because of the crowd noise that you can't really explain to people that aren't there. You know, I, when I watched when I was at the Raiders and I watched the Ravens defense play, I never thought they were fast until I saw them in person. Or when I watched mm-hmm. Tampa, you know, there's always, and, and when you play in a dome, you can't really understand the feeling of urgency and how you want to play faster because of the crowd. You can't feel it on television. And I think that's where the Saints have an advantage. One of those advantages too. I mean, you could just see it uh, last week a little bit with the with the crowd noise and Sean Payton, and he knows how to kind of flip that dome in his favor. Where you know you go for it on that fourth down, and you put Taysom Hill out there, and you get that big play, and that place goes crazy and erupts. And then you know you can kind of see, you know, momentum is what it is. I mean, it's a very subjective thing, but you can sort of see the wheels turning a bit uh, with the, with a lot of people in that building where you know you can kind of feel it, and uh, they're going to lean and rely in on that. I do want to ask you about just sort of 
this two-headed monster that they now have with the Rams. Um, and, you know, this is probably the first time, I guess, that we've seen these two guys together. But C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, um, between the two of them, last week, 123 yards rushing for C.J. Anderson, two touchdowns. Gurley, 115 yards, one touchdown. That is uh, the first time that a duo of running backs to, to each rush, at least rush for 100 yards in a playoff game since the 1997 wildcard round, which uh, the Denver running backs, Terrell Davis, Derek Laville, uh, the two of them uh, did that against Jacksonville. So you got this two-headed monster. It's obviously a little bit different. We see a little bit more 12 personnel packages since week 16, since they added C.J. Anderson. Is that another wrinkle that you can throw in that, you know, maybe they go big and they and they make this defensive line for the Saints really answer the, the power package with these two guys? Is that something to keep an eye on that, that's different from the last time we saw him play? Well, I mean, Gurley's not on the injury report, so they say he's healthy. And I think it's going to be a little bit more problematic to run the football against the Saints this game. Now, they did the last game. I mean, they were able to run the football effectively. Gurley had some throws. They just got behind in the game. And, it, and of course, it caused them to you know, have to not run the ball as much as they wanted to but because they had to throw it to get back into it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, look, they had 19 carries the last time, and, and the punter, Hecker, had one of those carries. So, you know, yep. and they averaged nine. They almost averaged five yards a carry. So they can run the football against them. It's That's not the problem. The problem is pace of the game. And I think you'll see Gurley, and I think you'll see Anderson. I think they – look, Aaron Cromer does a really good job of coaching this run game for the Saints. If anybody else on that Rams offensive staff, and I know that Zach Taylor's going to become the head coach of the Bengals, you know, but Cromer is the only other guy that I really believe is setting the agenda, and he's doing the run game based on how he coaches that line. Uh, and I think they'll be – now, they don't have Sheldon Rankins in the game, the Saints, but they do get Marcus Davenport back, which will help them on pass rush situations. And I want to talk about pass rush from the other side. I sort of just want to talk about matchups in this game. And the, the two separate ones I want to talk about. First is Pete versus Donald. Uh, we saw in this game in last week against Philadelphia, Fletcher Cox was sort of, you know, getting things and, and, and doing whatever he wanted to do, getting, you know, some false starts against Pete. Pete's having, uh, you know, he has that surgically repaired hand uh, that he broke late in the season. And that's something to keep an eye on. Donald had a good game against these guys last time, uh, had a lot of pressures. And obviously we know what he can do as far as the talent. But when you look at that match, up is that something to keep an eye on with Pete versus Donald that sort of can set the tone with you know how clean that pocket is for Drew Brees and how much you know how how disruptive Aaron Donald can be in this game yeah well look I mean the last game Donald played there were 71 defensive snaps in the game he played every single one of them last week he played every Mm -hmm. single one of the snaps I mean they don't take Donald out now I think if I'm if I'm Wade Phillips I think there's a point in the second quarter I think you got to treat this like an NBA game that you got to have Donald fresh for the fourth you can't wear him down it's going to be hot in that dome the humidity factor just because you're playing indoors and air I mean there's so many people in there I mean the fire marshal probably could close the goddamn dome down because there's probably going to be too many people in there seriously so you know that St. Fraser the most the most uh influential person in Las Vegas the, with the most powers of fire marshal because he can close any casino at any time so he gets tickets to everything but I think Donald's got to stay fresh and I think Pete's pad level was so shitty last week he played too tall he got pushed around and I'm sure that they're going to be on his ass to play with better pad level. It's one thing to have a broken hand and play with it, and I admire him for it, but that can't that doesn't stop you from playing with better pad level. And I think he's going to have to play with much better pad level in the game for them to be successful. And then the other guy's got to show up is Sue. Sue played 65 snaps in the last game. You know, he took six plays off, but 
I think the crowd noise is going to affect Sue. I think Sean Payton's going to mess with the snap count. I think they're going to hard count him. I think they're going to force him into doing some things because they can, because that's the advantage of playing home. It really helps you when you do that. And it serves, it shows up on penalties, you know. And so the Rams had four penalties for 32 yards in the last game. And they did a great job, but this will be a different crowd. And we, you know, you can see that when you look at a guy like Drew Brees or a guy like Tom Brady who was playing at home as well. When when they are in those environments, they are so seasoned that they, you know, sort of know how to read every single situation and that they know how to handle certain situations with the crowd noise and know how to make decisions. So, uh, you know, Drew Brees will be one of those guys to do that. One thing that you pointed out uh, just about this Rams team and some of the players that they have is you you know that they have the talent of guys that can flip the switch in prime time, where whether it be you know a Marcus. Peters or an Akib Talib. So you have or an Indomitian Sue. You have those guys when when the lights are on, they have that talent where, you know, we flip the switch, we know we're on a big stage and we can play this way. When you have a guy like Michael Thomas on one side, a guy that had 12 catches in their last game, a guy that pretty much, you know, sets the tone for the entire Saints offense when he gets things going. You know, if you have a guy like Tlaib or Marcus Peters and you can match him up with Michael Thomas, does that favor the Rams in any way? Do you feel good if you are the Rams with that secondary to know that you can put one guy to match up against a Michael Thomas and, and, and go from there and think that, you know, you, you can pretty much even out that matchup? I don't know of any one guy. To me, if I were the Rams, I would double Marcus Thomas. And I would say to Tlaib, and I, I would say to Tlaib or, or not, not Troy Hill, but I would say, look, we got to handle. We got to handle uh, Ted Ginn. Somebody's got to go cover Ted Ginn because Ginn, you know, Ginn is a guy that I keep preaching about it, but he's a spacer on the floor. He creates spacing in the floor, and he allows them to utilize Michael Thomas and get him in a situation. And the other thing is, I don't think Wade can play. 71 plays a man-to-man. What fans don't realize at home, when you play that much man-to-man defense, your your corners get tired. There's nothing left for them in the fourth quarter. you got to be mm-hmm. able to have a, a way to mix it up in the first half, do some different things, play some zone, because what you don't want to do is have your guys exhausted. And, and, I, and I suspect it's going to be some cramping going on down there. I think we're going to see a pace of a game that everybody's going to play at that, that the fourth quarter is going to be most critical. And, and that's why I think you can't play a lot of man-to-man and you got to be really careful look Ginn's got 37 targets for the season he's got 20 catches but his ability to make plays down the field is what scares teams and that's what I think this the Rams have to be cautious about and something to keep an eye on that we you brought up uh on our Tuesday podcast is, you know Drew Brees is some of those deep balls I mean we, we saw LeBlanc get that pick that first pick early in the game where he tried to throw the deep ball to Ted Ginn we saw him under throw Taysom Hill at one time despite Drew Brees you know having the NFL record for the most 300 yard passing games and you know including the postseason that's 123 games that he's done that we are still you know keeping an eye on you know if he can keep the defense on us with the deep ball so is there something that Wade Phillips does where he maybe puts more guys up against the line and and makes Drew Brees try to beat him deep is that is that like a, a strategy that goes into this game just after watching the tape well, I think what he's got to do is say, look, Drew Brees on balls traveling 30 yards in the air, he's completed one pass out of 10, right? He's mm-hmm. completed one pass. Now, it happened to be a touchdown pass, but it was just one out of 10. It was a 30-yard touchdown pass. So we've got to be able to to play the underthrown ball. We have to look back for the ball because if we don't, like LeBlanc did, he looked back for the ball. If we don't, we're going to get called for pass interference. So we've got to be able to look back for the ball. And, you know, as much as we want to bitch about – Breeze's arm, where he's really effective, is in that 20 to 30 yard area. I mean, he's 50% accurate when he throws that ball, and he averages almost 17 yards of completion. So he's deadly. He's thrown seven touchdown passes over 20 yards. So I think you got to be really careful here 
in terms of of overemphasizing that. Do you think it's going to be a deep throw? Probably not. You know, and I'm sure Sean Payton's going to try to stretch it a little bit and tell Drew to just heave it. But the other thing is, I think, well, you made a great point about Taysom Hill. I think this game is going to have trickery in both sides of the ball. I think the Patriots typically always will have some form of trickery, and I think Sean Payton will, and I think Sean McVay will as well. This is the final note that we'll do on this game, and it comes down to the coaching, and it's a, it's a little bit of uh, you know looking at both sides of there. It's it's the young upstart, what Sean Payton used to be, is what sort of what Sean McVay is at this point. But I remember after the first game, uh, when the Rams lost in the post game, Sean McVay said this quote. He said, "Sometimes setbacks are setups for comebacks," and this was obviously the first loss of the season that they took, forty five to thirty five, and it seemed like Sean McVay was very set on the fact that there would be another meeting between these two teams and a chance for this Rams team to be able to get some sort of revenge on the Saints. And you know, Sean Payton is obviously a guy that now has become a seasoned vet uh, as a coach, but used to be the young upstart, the young hot coach that everyone wanted to talk about. Is there any sort of advantage that you see in this game, whether it be on the Sean Payton side or the Sean McVay side? Maybe McVay is a guy that's willing to take more chances because he is the young you know, guy that has to prove himself a little bit, even though now Sean Payton is kind of falling into that Belichick role where he's been around the block a little bit. I mean, is, is there some sort of advantage you see between those two coaches on both sides? I think because Wade's there, I think, and certainly they're really good in the kicking game. I mean, John Fossil does a great job in the kicking game for the Rams. So I don't really, I think both teams will really adjust. The one thing about the Rams that hasn't been the case is if, is they can kind of get away from where they are based on how you set your front. And if they do a good job in that area, you know, if the Saints can take away the run game or get ahead and this becomes a, a all pass game, I think the key element here is going to be. Can the Saints duplicate what Detroit did, what Chicago did in those two games where they were able to really hold them? They forced six turnovers in those two games. Can they force Jared Goff to play where he feels a sense of urgency, where he's got to play fast? If they make Goff play fast, I'm not sure there's anything McVay can do to help that. If they don't make him play fast and he's able to throw the ball to wide open receivers like he did the first game, then I think it's problematic for the Saints. But look, for me, I like the Saints in this game. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be probably a field goal type game. I, I'm not going to take the Rams in the points. I think it's a pick em game. I'm going to go with the Saints here because home field does matter. I really think it matters and I think it's going to be problematic. I know the Rams are good on offense, but I think they have some deficiencies defensively. I think they'll show up, and Sean Payton will utilize that great screen package, the Bob Schnelker screen package, and I think he'll make some plays with Kamara in that area. And, you know, we saw later later in this game against the Eagles, you know, as this sort of got worn down, you know, that rushing attack, the two-headed monster between Ingram and Kamara sort of, you know, started to get rolling a little bit later in the game. So uh, that is obviously something to keep an eye on to see if they can wear down that Rams front a little bit uh, and, and be able to buy into that screen packages and, and be able to get Kamara involved in the passing game a little bit with Drew Brees and obviously being in the dome is, is something to talk about because you know as much as weather is going to come into play as we talk about the next game uh, being in the dome being in that atmosphere being in a, in a controlled environment for Drew Brees these are all good things if you are a New Orleans Saints fan for sure you got to feel good about it. I mean, look, Jack Daniels is going to – I buy stock in Jack Daniels this weekend because there's <laughs> going to be a lot of it floating all over the place. All right, Lombardi, before we move on, let's take a quick break to talk about Roman. With two-thirds of guys experiencing noticeable hair loss by the age of 35, most guys assume losing their hair is inevitable as they age. Some don't care, some shave their head, some embrace hats, but what they don't know is that there are FDA-approved medications designed to stop hair loss and even regrow hair. 
That's why we're excited to partner with our sponsor, Roman. Roman makes it easy to get safe, FDA-approved hair loss treatment all from your phone or computer. And when you go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL, your online visit is free. Consult with a U.S. licensed physician through their secure online platform. No awkward conversations with receptionists or reading bad magazines in the waiting rooms. Once your doctor ensures that treatment will be safe and effective for you, Roman's dedicated pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping and discreet packaging. Again, discreet packaging, two-day shipping, all for you. If you're noticing unwanted hair loss, starting treatment early is key and Roman can help. And today, Roman is giving the Ringer NFL show listeners a free online visit at GetRoman.com slash Ringer NFL. That's GetRoman.com slash Ringer NFL for a free visit to get started. Go to GetRoman.com slash Ringer NFL. Back to GM Street. Uh, let's get to the next game. We got to get to the AFC Championship game. We got the New England Patriots taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, the big storyline here: New England uh, is advanced to its eighth consecutive AFC Championship game. Again, I will say that the eighth consecutive AFC Championship game. Uh, the first team to do that since the 1970 merger. I just want to ask you before we get into the game and specifics of all this: this is the second time these two teams have met in the postseason. The first time was the 2015 divisional round. But Lombardi, I mean, how, how amazing is that in the NFL to have a team go to eight straight conference championship games. I mean, that doesn't even seem like a, it's a feasible idea in a vacuum. Not 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 only to say that it could happen with a guy like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and they continue to keep this thing going. It's really remarkable. I mean, it's truly remarkable. And let's face it, Tate Frazier, if they don't screw up the Miami game, if they just put a defense out there that could stop that play, they're playing this damn thing at home. I mean, they're playing mm-hmm. this thing at home. I mean, how fortunate is Kansas City to have that Miami play? And I think that Miami game is going to show up here again. I think the Miami's ability, what Miami did to the to the Patriots offensively, uh, the way Miami was able to attack New England, I think that's going to show up. But the Miami game has really proven to be as great as going to eight conference championship games. They still had a chance to even host it, which is even more remarkable, had they not stubbed their toe in the Miami game. 15 of 16 divisional titles. That is also, uh, you know, the the first team to do that ever since the, you know, the 1970 merger. Actually, since, you know, since the league was, you know, even implied that they would create a football league. That was the first time that a team has done that. So that's something to keep an eye on. Well, Brady and Belichick, 28 postseason wins together. That is the most in NFL history by a head coach and starting quarterback. Um, As you look at this one, this game is at Sunday, CBS, 6.40 p.m. The line is at Three in this game, uh, over under set about 54 and a half. That's where it sits right now. The first game was week six uh, with these two teams, 43 to 40 Patriots win that game. That game was was probably one of the best games of the season. Got overshadowed a little bit by that Monday night game between uh, the Chiefs and the Rams with everyone talking about that game. But but this game kind of drew eyeballs from the start. It's Andy Reid versus Bill Belichick. You know, Belichick has the advantage there uh, just as far as record against Andy Reid. But we've seen Andy Reid get the best of Belichick at times. This is going to be, uh, you know, new philosophy versus a little bit of a old school philosophy. Belichick's going to try to make Andy replay left-handed, a, a phrase that you love to use on this podcast. But looking at this one, what's what's the main thing to keep an eye on between these two guys, between Reed Belichick and these two teams? Well, I, I think you know it's going to be a challenge for New England because of the skill set of the of the Kansas City offense. I mean, the fact that the quarterback when he gets out of that pocket is dynamic and he can make throws from across his body and the fact whether as Belichick has indicated weather's not going to be a factor for either team we saw Kelsey catch the ball effectively we saw Hill weather's not going to be the factor the factor is going to be how well they play 
And I think that when you go back and watch the game, people say Kansas City didn't play their best game. I don't think New England played their best game the first time either. I mean, Brady has a horrible turnover uh, that that leads on a third and 10. He holds the ball too long. Uh, That was a problem. You know, they don't have Josh Gordon in the game, but I don't think Josh Gordon would have an impact. I think where Kansas City losing Kareem Hunt, they lose 10 carries, 80 yards. They lose 105 yards in the passing game. I think this game is going to come down to where Andy Reid finds a way to get his running backs on these slower linebackers for New England. And he forces New England into more of a zone game, patient game, don't let the ball get thrown over your head. Because at the end of the day, you can't play man-to-man and win against Kansas City. They don't have anybody to cover Hill, and they don't have anybody to cover Kelsey. Now, if they put Gilmore on Kelsey, what that what happens there? I don't know. I don't know if you can actually do that. I mean, I would. I think that's their best matchup, uh, Gilmore, the corner, because Kelsey's not a not a tight end. He's a he's a receiver, and he's dynamic as a receiver, and he causes you a ton of problems. The other issue is you got to double Hill, but you have to double Hill in a way to where it's not an in and out on Hill. You got to double him high and low. You got to jam him and have help on top, and so. There's so many problems here, and then the the crowd noise is another problem. I mean, New England was able to utilize the crowd noise. They were able to get some calls, the pass interference, the holds, all that. Not sure it's going to show up. The the, the Chiefs have always been one of the most highly penalized teams in the league. They The last two games at home, they've only had 10 penalties called against them. And for whatever reason, they don't get holding calls against their offensive line. It's remarkable. They throw the ball 50 times, no holding calls. So – this is a challenge for to make them play left-handed. I don't know what the Chiefs' left hand is. I think they can go right or left. Cousin Sal on his podcast, he broke down you know the, the cold games and sort of the you know the scoring discrepancy, and it's obviously not that much of a difference, even though a lot of people would be would, would say it may be or would assume that it would be. But one of those guys that is the deep threat is Tyreek Hill, and one of the things that he can do is burn guys deep. And if there is a lot of wind, I mean, wind is pretty much the factor. It's not necessarily about cold weather; it's about the wind. So if you don't have Tyreek Hill to be that game breaker, and, and they asked Bill Belichick about trying to match up with that speed, he basically said, you know, that there's I wish I could make someone that fast on our team, but we don't have anyone to do that. So if you take that away and you don't have that game breaking speed from Tyreek Hill, and that's not a factor, does that change the dynamic? Does that change the way that we see this, you know, vaunted, you know, uh, Kansas City Chiefs offense where they have Pat Mahomes, who is, you know, just the third guy to throw over 50 touchdown passes in a season. Does Do, do you see them differently? Do they play them differently if Tyreek Hill cannot take, you know, the defense deep and, and make them be honest with that deep ball? Is there a chance that that happens? Does that change the whole offense? If it's a 20-mile-an-hour win, I think even though as strong as Mahomes' arm is, it's going to be a factor. I mean, if Drew Brees was playing for Kansas City, you know, you would say, hey, it's going to be a huge factor. Brady's played in 47 games under under 40 degrees. So that's a lot of games. I mean, that's three seasons of games, you know, and he's got 88 touchdowns in that weather. So I don't think that's going to be a factor for New England. But I do – because Brady's not throwing the ball down the field. Brady's going to dink and dunk mm-hmm. and do, you know, 20 yards inside. Mahomes getting that down the field. I think win will be. I think it'll be a factor for the kickers, too. I think there's definitely going to be a missed kick in this game that's going to tilt the game. I think there'll be a missed kick, whether it's an extra point or a field goal. And I think you got to be real careful with this win. I think it's going to put you in a lot of four-down situations. The Patriots defense has only allowed one fourth down converted all season so far this year. You know, the Chiefs are going to go for it. I think they're 70% on fourth down this year. So 
Wynn's going to put fourth down into play in a lot of situations. And uh, you talked about what Brady's going to do. I mean, what Brady has is a security blanket with James White where he can, you know, dump off those little passes of James White and get four yards and kind of keep the chains moving and keep the game going. And we, we saw that against the Chargers. I mean, before you could even lift your head up, you looked and you looked at the stats and James White already has, you know, eight to ten receptions. And we're in the second quarter. And that's just because, you know, Brady's not afraid to get rid of the ball and get it in his hands and, and get him moving down the field and, and make things easier on him. Because Wynn's not going to make a play, you know, play a major factor if you're throwing it two or three yards as opposed to Mahomes, who is launching, you know, 50 yard deep balls to Tyree Kill. And I, I really feel, I feel like that's the only, you know, thing that you can really point to where it does make sense where the wind or, or the weather could really play a major factor in this game. Right. And, you know, and I think what, what you have to do when you play Tom Brady is you got to pack the middle of the field. I mean, Brady between the numbers is very good. You know, he's dynamic. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, in week six, uh, when they played, he was 17 for 20 when he threw the ball inside. Outside the numbers, he was seven for 15. So you've got to be real, you got to pack it and you got to be able to, and you got to understand that Brady's going to get rid of the ball in 2.6 seconds. You know, he's not going to hold it very long. He's going to get it out of there and he's going to get it to the guys that he wants to be able to utilize in the run game and allow him to run the football. And, you know, he runs all sorts of different routes, James White. Uh, he's wide open too often where people just mistake him. He's a really a receiver. That's the key to what his success is. And you got to clamp him down. And, you know, would Eric Berry, can he cover him? I think that's going to be the challenge. Covering Gronk, you know, really isn't that hard. I mean, uh, he's probably, this is the worst year in terms of his separation target uh, average in the NFL. He's just not been able to separate. And so if he can't really separate, then I think you got to make sure you match somebody on white that you think he can keep him from making those plays. And I just want to talk about that, you know, that that defense for the Patriots with Brian Flores, a guy that, you know, we mentioned was probably going to be up for the Miami job. But what they were able to do with taking Melvin Gordon out of the game to take that run game out of the game for the Chargers. And then you look at Damian Williams for the Chiefs. Obviously, Kareem Hunt no longer there for the Chiefs. And Damian Williams has been a guy that, that they've been relying on to kind of lead their rushing attack. But is there a, wor a world in which where if they were able to lock down Damian Williams and sort of keep them from being able to run the ball. And, and we have a situation, what we saw with Rivers last week, where it, it's a one-man band where Mahomes is having to make all these plays. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on a second-year guy that's basically playing in his first year and in, in the biggest game of his career, right? No doubt. I mean, look, weeks one through 11, you know, the Chiefs running game with Kareem Hunt, they averaged 5-2 every time they were in shotgun. Since then, they mm -hmm. average almost a yard less in shotgun runs. So, you know, they're, they're missing him. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, the factor is is that they have other ways to really kind of run the ball besides just giving it to Damon. And I think what you're going to see is a copy of the Super Bowl again here, Tate Frazier. I think you're going to see a team try to – I think they're going to spread them out, make them defend the width of the field, and then handle the verticalness of the field with their passing game. Again, weather is going to be a factor of wind, not, not the cold, wind, and how they utilize that. And then – Look, the Chiefs are the second best team in the National Football League in terms of playing from in front. And I think this is going to be a copycat of the Super Bowl. The Chiefs, that script, I mean, Belichick's going to have to handle the script. He's got to realize there's going to be a screen. There's going to be all sorts of different things. And that's the time in the game to show the Chiefs something differently. Just different alignments, different things so that you can get them off that script. And the guy that I gotta wor I'm worried most about is Kelsey. I think Kelsey creates so many plays for him. And uh, Kelsey is obviously an eye, a guy to keep an eye on because he is a game breaker 
as they like to say, as they put monikers on people. I do want to point this out. All five of the Patriots' losses have come on the road uh, this season, and it, New England averages about 12 points less on the road. Um, and, you know, as you look at the AFC title games that they've had, their last three championship games on the road, they have not won one since 2004. So is there something that is different about this Patriots team? Maybe you saw last week at home that you, you do, that does inspire hope that's maybe different from what we saw in the regular season the, to show that they are able to put something together on the road. We've obviously seen that fullback set when they put Devlin out there with Michelle. I mean, they run the ball and can run it down people's throats, and that's obviously something good to have in the postseason. But what inspires hope about this Patriots team that's different maybe than what we saw in the regular season? You know, Tate Frazier, I keep looking for that. I think that when you know go back on the road and you go to that Miami game, Miami barely had the ball and scored, you know, enough points to win that game. It's the same thing. Kansas City had fifty-three plays and had almost four hundred yard had almost five hundred yards of offense. I mean, I just don't like the matchup for the Patriots. I don't like it home. I don't like it away. And if Mahomes is protects the football, he throws an interception in the red zone last last time they played. He missed Kelsey wide open. He missed Kareem Hunt on a wheel route, on a seam route, wide ass open, and he missed Tyreek Hill. And I think that it's going to really come down to can the Patriots control the pace of this game, playing Canadian football, but slowing the game down. And the Chiefs don't really need the ball that much. I mean, the Chiefs say, look, we'll only have it 25 minutes. They had 23-51 the last time they played, and they scored 37 points. And so – I think it's a challenge. I think this is really about the matchup, not not home or away. I think the matchup favors Kansas City. I think the fact they're playing at home favors Kansas City. I think New England's a warrior. I think New England's tough. I think they'll do everything in their power. They'll play their best game. I'm just not sure their best game is going to be good enough. And uh, we just got to point this out. If you look at these four teams, these are the four best offenses in football. And you kind of look at the old guard and new guard, even though Andy Reid is you know, going to be included in the new guard. But you got the Breeze. You got Brady. You got these two, you know, quarterbacks that have, have been revered for so long within the league. And then you have these new upstart offenses where you have, you know, Sean McVay. And obviously uh, you have Andy Reid with Pat Mahomes. And, 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 and you look at that and it all sort of sets up perfectly for this great storyline uh, you know, to kind of see what happens where, you know, maybe we get a breeze in Brady or maybe you get one for two where you get, you know, a breeze going up against, uh, you know, the, the young Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl. So, so it's good for the league to have all these storylines that are kind of going into it. And obviously, we will keep an eye on all of that. The one thing that I do want to point out, which is interesting as far as uh, the nature aspect of this, we have a lunar eclipse that's going to happen in Kansas City uh, for the AFC title game. So the the moon will be blood red, Lombardi, during this game. Did you see this? It will be blood red. That I think that's good news for the Patriots, right? That mean that mean that means that uh <laughs> that that's probably you know some sort of sign there that uh you know things may work in their favor with the uh, with, with the moon shape like that possibly shaded like that for everyone to see um so that's something to keep an eye on anything else uh, before we get it, get out of here and, and and we obviously give our final predictions I do want to go back over what your predictions were though so we got uh, Rams Saints you're going to take the Saints in that game and I'm going to lay the points in both games I think you have to go back to 2012 when uh, the 49ers and the Ravens both won on the road. I mean, ever since 12, it's been the home teams. And I think these two stadiums are just really prohibitive to, to move the football. And I know, you know, at 6 at 540 Kansas City time, those people are going to be, I mean, loud, loud, loud. And 
you know, as long as Kansas City and they demonstrated that they could handle the pressure of the game last week, um, I, I think that this will be a tough game for New England, and I think it'll be a tough game for the Rams. I think the Rams will give it everything they have. I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled an upset, but I just think the Saints are really good. So we got the Saints, we got the Chiefs, we got the two home teams. Uh, ironically enough, those are you know are the teams that I, I think a lot of people going in maybe to the playoffs had a, had an idea that they would uh, suspect and see just because they were the one seed. So it would be very chalk for that to play out that way. Um, I do like the idea that teams that maybe lost the first time around have a chance to get redemption. So that does give me uh, a little bit of pause and maybe think that the Rams do have a chance there for the upset. But you know it, it is something to keep an eye on overall. And obviously we will be back on Tuesday to break down all things conference championship. I'm very excited to watch these games. I wish we could watch these games together, Lombardi. I miss you, Tate Frazier. I know. I know. I miss having you out here on the West Coast, especially on a dreary, rainy day like this. I'm hoping I get my back together so I can continue to uh, to talk to you about football and, and make sure that everyone can hear your uh, your genius analysis of how you break down all these games. And This has been another Friday forecast, and we appreciate everyone listening, and we're very excited for the conference championship games this weekend. And We, again, will be back on Tuesday to break it all down here on GM Street. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Dave Frazier. Thanks again to Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book awesome hotels at amazing rates. They're like a matchmaker between top-rated hotels with unsold rooms and people who want to book those rooms. And Hotel Tonight isn't just for last-minute bookings. You can book for tonight, tomorrow, and beyond. It's perfect for planners, procrastinators, and everyone in between. Find sweet deals at cool hotels you'll actually want to stay at. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the Hotel Tonight app now.